Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast, presented by In We Go. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, and before we start talking about stuff, I want to tell you a little bit more about In We Go. It's basically Netflix for tickets. The way it works is you sign up for a membership, and every month you get a certain number of tickets to events in Denver, or if you're somewhere else, they're in other cities as well. Um, so most Rockies games, most Avs games, most Nuggets games, um, I'm pretty sure all of the Buffs football and basketball games were on there this year. Um, so the sports are covered. They have food festivals. They have concerts. They have all sorts of stuff. Whatever you could be interested in is on there. I think everything... They had like the National Western Stock Show. I think that's right. I'm new here. Um, but but a lot of the things that were happening on there, maybe all of them, I'm not sure. There were a whole bunch though. Um, you could get tickets to through In We Go. Um, and the best part is if you sign up with a code DNVR, then you can get your first month free. So basically you're just getting free tickets, um, to whatever you want to go to. There's no reason not to sign up at least for the one month trial. See if you like it and whether you want to keep going. I don't know if I could live without it. Um, so some news since the last time we talked, uh, the bus hired another coach uh, Mitch Rodriguez, who uh, is a bit of a surprise. Um, I don't think he was on anybody's radar. I don't even know how he was on the Buffs' radar. Um, there were essentially no ties. I-, I think he had worked with Jay Johnson maybe five years or maybe ten years total with two five-year stints, something like that. Um, but... Jay Johnson is not coaching with the Buffs anymore, so I I don't know where this came from. This was out of left field. Um, he's he's in his early fifties, mid fifties, and has been out of coaching for a couple of years now. Um, I think twenty seventeen was the last time he coached. Uh, he was. Uh, he was at Louisiana with the Raging Cajuns. You know, we were talking about their head coach potentially being um, a, a guy who the Buffs could be after. Um, they've been surprisingly successful over the last few years, um, but still not expected, not expected at all. Um, he's an interesting guy, uh, and I know that because there are some videos of him on the internet Um the the big one that's going around is he invented it's like the rod blocking system um and the way it works is essentially uh they took 
blocking dummies, tackling dummies, and put a rod into the tops of them, kind of like where the head is. So instead of having people hold them, they just kind of hang there. Uh, and then they painted on um, leg pads, so like the knee pads, the thigh pads, and uh, they used that to teach cut blocking. Um, I, I, you know, th- that isn't what I expected to learn about Mitch was that he had invented that. I mean, it seems like it's a great idea because obviously you can't block in practice. You can't cut block in practice. Um, there's like the famous story, like Tiki Barbie Barber, Rondé Barber, back when they were in college, maybe it was even high school. Um, Tiki was supposed to go cut block Rondé in a drill and essentially told the coach like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's, I'm going to hurt him. And, you know, at the time, that was a pretty crazy thing to say is like, no, coach, I'm not going to do this drill. Um, but now we look at it, it's like, well, no, you're, you're not cut blocking anybody in practice. Turns out Tiki is smarter than what happened with him. He was everywhere. Remember that he, he was like, was he on Fox doing a bunch of their broadcasting stuff? I haven't heard about either of them in a surprisingly long time. That's not the point of the show, though. Um, so, yeah, th- it teaches cut blocking, you know. I think it's like an eight-minute video and probably four minutes of it is him explaining that cut blocking isn't always bad and, you know, it's going to be a part of the game and they're not teaching them to do it dangerously. In fact, they're actually making it safer, not just because they aren't practicing on actual humans, but because they're also, uh, you know, like putting on the leg pads on the dummies so that they're diving at the thighs instead of at the knees, which is dangerous. And the thighs are more effective anyway, he says. Um Again, not at all what I expected. I'm not sure who I expected to be the offensive line coach. I have better guesses for the other positions. Um, I guess, is it just quarterbacks left? It's probably just quarterbacks left. Um, again, it's going to be a veteran, maybe one we know. Um, but it's uh, it's surprising, I guess. Um, never coached at the Power 5 level, I don't believe. Um, I couldn't find anything. You know, it's kind of tough to pull information up about him. Um, one thing that I do want to say is that he doesn't just cut block. Um, it, it isn't like a cut blocking scheme. If it was, then you could say goodbye to every offensive line prospect. Um, William Sherman, who we've been talking about potentially being a, 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 a draft candidate next year. He might be able to skip his senior season and go straight to the NFL. He has that type of talent and reputation. Um, if, if it were a pure cut-blocking scheme, kind of like what uh, Air Force runs with that triple option, that probably would be off the table, him leaving early. Um, prospects don't want to play in those schemes because that's not what they do in the NFL. They want to give... NFL evaluators real tape you know it's kind of like remember 10 years ago when coaches only wanted to draft quarterbacks who came from a pro style offense and that was a big thing now nobody runs a pro style offense including in the NFL and that whole narrative has died down but it's kind of the same thing with offensive linemen and a lot of other positions you know they they don't want to be playing in a cut blocking scheme when Coaches are trying to evaluate their ability to play in a, a typical blocking scheme, you know, zone blocking scheme. Can they pass protect? Can they run a power blocking scheme? All this kind of stuff. Um, that is not what's going to happen. Again, we don't know a whole lot about Mitch, but that's something I'm pretty comfortable assuming is that uh, this team is going to be good at cut blocking, but they're only going to be cut blocking in the normal way 
situations. Uh, he even says in the video, you know, he, he was hedging a lot in that video, but he, he said something like, uh, you know, I know that they're changing the rules every year and they're trying to do less and less, but there's still so many situations and they, they showed a bunch of different ways you can use them, um, including like on a screen, you can put the whole thing. So there's like three of those tackling dummies hung by the neck almost on that rod and everybody goes and dives at like the thigh pads on them but they'll put it like downfield five yards and make it a screen blocking situation where everybody's like running out in the flat and he's like okay now you'll notice in that drill it was only five yards downfield nobody was under there's actually another guy holding a blocking bag that was seven yards downfield and the guy who was assigned to him went and hit that so i don't know it, when, when I wrote the story about the other two assistant coaches that the Buffs hired yesterday, um, Demetrius Martin, the cornerbacks coach or defensive backs coach, and then uh, the defensive line coach, Chris Wilson, um, I included videos in that post. And the video of Chris Wilson was him breaking down film of his defensive line from last year, the year before. I think it's two, three years ago um, with the Eagles um, saying, here, look at what he's doing here. Look at what we're doing here. And it's super interesting. Um, and then I included the video of uh, Demetrius uh, like mic'd up at an Arizona practice. But then um, if I had included the Mitch Rodriguez uh, hiring. I would have had to throw in like the video of him explaining the thing he came up with. I don't know. It's out of left field. Uh, I, I, um, he's very Southern. He's very Louisiana. Um, imagine Ed Orgeron almost. It's it's kind of that way. Uh, he speaks a little bit more clearly, and his voice isn't quite as low, but but in that same archetype sort of. Uh, I think it could play well. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that the players are going to love him. Um, there's no doubt that he's going to be like, I don't know. He, again, sometimes, sometimes like those people who come from the deep South and have like that thick accent, they say the words um, almost like how a cartoon character of them would say those words. Like those people are so popular. I think you just want to hear them talk. And I don't know. I, We'll see how it goes. Um, I'll be interested to get to know him, um, to hear from Carl Durrell um, about why he was hired. Again, because there are very obvious reasons you hire the other two guys he hired and everybody else he kept around too. But Demetrius, for example, you know that he recruits LA much better than pretty much anybody else can recruit LA. And that's good to have on your staff. Plus, he's developed some very good defensive backs. Um, and then you look at the defensive line coach, Chris Wilson, and you say, wow, look at all the success he's had. Um, look at all the people he's worked with. He should be able to pitch that to recruits. Um, again, a very obvious hire. The The thought process behind um, the, the, def or the offensive line coach, Mitch Rodriguez, he, uh, I don't know. I think if I had to guess, he, he wants to keep those Southern recruiting ties. Uh, I think he wants to be able to recruit those areas and having somebody from there makes that a lot easier. Um, you know, recruiting LA 
is where uh, Demetrius is very good is a lot different than recruiting Texas where Chev is really good. And that's a lot different than recruiting Louisiana, much, much more different than recruiting Louisiana or Georgia, or Mississippi, where uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch is really good. Um, so that'd be my guess. Um, you, you know, Corday Hankton, I actually haven't heard if he's still around off the top of my head. I would hope so. Um, but with those, you know, lower level assistant coaches, you would expect them to kind of be the last ones to have things figured out. And has pulled it up his bio, and it still says offensive graduate assistant with the Buffs. You know, he was the one who recruited a shot Clayton. He was a cop in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, I think that this is a play to keep those Southern recruiting ties. You know, uh, Carl Durrell was talking about how he knows pretty much all of the coaches in Miami, all the high school coaches, so he should be able to recruit out of there. Again, it's still going to be a little bit tougher recruiting those kids to Colorado than it would be to Florida, or Miami, or LSU, or uh, those those other Southern schools. But uh, this this kind of keeps them alive. It, it means that they can at least throw their hat in the ring. Um, and not just say, wow, this is going to be a tremendous waste of time trying to get these kids to come to Boulder. Um, but yeah, you know, Antonio Alfano, I guess he wasn't from there. He was from a little bit north of there. Um, but getting him out of Alabama, you get a, a shot out of Louisiana. Um, there's some success. You know, you go all the way back, Cordell Stewart. They really like to bring up Cordell Stewart being from Louisiana as well. So... Keeping that stuff alive is important. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, to be honest, if, if I were to rank my favorite hires so far, um, oh, wow, that's actually kind of a fun game. And I want to put a little bit more thought into it. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery because they are incredible beers. They're perfect for any situation. Um, you really can't go wrong. That you you just cannot go wrong. You know the Colorado Core is a very light, cidery, um, champagney, bubbly beer. Um, also very strong apple flavors. Strawberry Sky is like two steps closer to just a beer. You can taste the strawberry, but like the the, the strawberry is like the fourth thing you noticed. Like first you're like, oh wow, this is good, and then second you're like, wow, it's so smooth, and third it's like, wow, it's so light and it doesn't feel heavy at all. Um, and then, uh, oh, there's a little bit of strawberry there too. It's a great beer. Definitely be using the beer locator, uh, on their website. If you want to try any of their beers or, you know, Blake street tavern, that's where I always go to get the strawberry sky, which is my favorite, but they give you so many, so many options. Also Strava craft coffee is incredible. Um, it's CBD infused coffee, so you can use it for all the other reasons that you would use CBD. Uh, they, they have the ability to like stop migraines and back pain and all those different things, but you kind of just have to use it to see whether it'll work for you. Um, they, they can give you the ground beans. They can give you the whole beans, um, or they have K cups too. So if you have a Keurig or something, um, you can just get those and it's a lot easier. Um, if you use the code DNVR20, then you can purchase online and get 20% off and they'll ship it 
straight to your door. Again, if you have anxiety, arthritis, IBS, migraines, check it out. See if it helps you out. Um, so I'm just trying to like, I, I just got like the email saying we got to figure out credentials for uh, pro day, um, which is the 11th when we'll get to see everybody except for Visca really. Um, just like trying to figure out my Vegas plans now that the basketball team isn't what they used to be. Is it still, I don't know. We don't need to talk that through here, but essentially they, if they don't have a buy, they'll play on the 11th, likely, um, the morning of the 11th. So I'd probably need to get there really late the night before now, which changes things. Um, and then you wouldn't want to go and leave before the championship. It's a whole big thing, but then football, like the 11th is the pro day. The 13th is, uh, the media lunch with Carl. And then you have, uh, the day after the championship is the first spring practice. And so would you skip the championship and say the buffs aren't going to, I don't know, whole bunch of things that we're figuring out, trying to decide how to make this work best. But uh, yeah, um, back to the point of what we were talking about before I got that email, I had to pause this and rethink all the things I've been thinking. Um, favorite hires. Um, so, um, skipping Carl Durrell, but going through the assistant coaches, you know, they bring back Mikulowski, they promote Cheverini, uh, they keep Tyson Summers, uh, all sorts of different stuff. Um, I think, I think what I like the most is bringing in Chris Wilson. Um, that'd be my number one on the list of hires that they've made or retaining other player, other coaches. My brain's a little bit fried now cause I spent time looking at all that stuff again. Uh, but yeah, so Chris Wilson, I think is number one. Um, I think that, uh, number two has to be hiring Demetrius Martin. Um, he has that resume, uh, coached a lot of different places. He has the ties to LA. Um, like I was saying yesterday, you know, I think what what we've all decided is best for Colorado is to play power football, to play that Big 8 style and try to beat Pac-12 teams playing that sort of football. Um, oh, wow. The Broncos just traded for A.J. Boye. Huh. Weird. Huh. Okay. A fourth-round pick. I don't think you guys care about that. I should probably should have just paused this and thought about it. Now I have too many things on my brain. I have too, too many things, plus I'm leaving for basketball practice and I'm trying to figure out what I want to talk to Tad about. But, uh, huh. Back to this. Back to this. I'll think about AJ Boye later. Um, I think I like it, though. I think it makes sense. A third-round pick, pick 137, it's good value. It's very good value. Does that mean Chris Harris is gone? So now I have Bryce Callahan and AJ Boye there. Huh. Darius Slay is probably out now. Okay. But that's it for Broncos talk because this is the Buffs podcast. Um, yeah. So, so first Chris Wilson, second Demetrius Martin, um, because even though we all want to play that like power football, defensive football, beat them up physically, win the fourth quarter because we've beaten them down. Um, 
you still just can't survive in the Pac-12 without recruiting LA well. And and now you just gave yourself a much better shot. Uh, number three is tough. I'm kind of torn um, because there's a couple different ways you could go. Um, I'm inclined not to say Darian Hagan because uh, because it, it just feels like he's a bolder guy. You know, like, like I, I think that I'm biased against bringing him back or be thinking that's a big accomplishment just because he seems like he's going to be here forever, you know? Um, but I think that that might be the best one, you know, just being able to bring Darian Hagan to events, you know, when, when they do like an introduction with Blake street tavern, they bring the coaches down again. Um, having Darian there, there are a lot of bus fans who want to meet Darian. He's so good outreaching the community, you know, and that's something we, we talk a lot about recruiting ability, being able to connect with recruits. Um, we talk a lot about being able to connect with boosters, but there's a lot of fans who aren't boosters and you have to fill 50,000 seats maybe maybe 1,000 of those are people giving you big money, maybe less than that, but having guys like Darian Hagen who keep you connected to the past are really important. That said, I'm going to go Brian Michalowski um, because he is an up-and-comer. I think that that's a, that's a guy who you see as um, somebody who could who could be that next up on the defensive side. Um, I'm not sure if he will be um, somebody who's going to be leaving for a defensive coordinator job soon, but he's he's on that path to get a shot. Uh, you need these outside linebackers to perform. Uh, I, I think that he has some talent there now. Um, essentially, if Jason Harris breaks out, I think he's going to get some big-time opportunities. Uh, he's well-regarded. He's a good recruiter. I think keeping him around here is great. And for that same reason, um, I'm going to go Taylor Embry next. And this was a tough one. I almost put Embry ahead of Mikulowski. But Embry, similar to Mikulowski, is just one of those rising stars who you want to have in your program. It keeps that reputation of being... Um, you, you know, we've, we've called Colorado, like... DBU a little bit, wide receiver U a little bit. Um, Colorado State really calls themselves wide receiver U because they've had a couple guys go in the seventh round or whatever. But uh, Colorado under Carl Durrell really could become like Coach U. That's where you start to see guys like Mikulowski kind of break out and go to the next level. Um, and Taylor Embry also go to the next level. Um, Taylor is a very good coach. Um, he's again on that path to being, uh, somebody who's going to hold down a more important position in the future. Um, next up, I'm going to go again. It's so hard to figure out where to put Tyson Summers. I think I'm going to go Tyson Summers next. Um, because Tyson is, uh, running the defense. Obviously, um, we saw the improvement that he made late in the season, his defense made late in the season. The reason he isn't higher on this list is because we don't know what exactly he was responsible for in this defense's progression, you know, because you had Mel Tucker there. Um, was it 60-40 Mel? Should should we be thinking that Tyson Summers is capable of bringing them to next level? I think so, but there is that risk there, um, and he is kind of I mean, he he isn't super experienced. Um, but 
I, I do have faith there, and it was tempting to put him above Mikulowski even, but I'm going to put him right behind Embry. So what are we at now? Uh, we're at first, uh, Chris Wilson, second, Demetrius Martin, third, Mikulowski, four, Embry, five, Summers, and we're going to go six, Darian Hagen. Uh, because, again, um, running backs, coaches... And this, I know that I'm probably not giving them enough credit, but when you're comparing the the way that a position coach can refine different positions, you look at the quarterback is number one. Like you have so much influence over these quarterbacks, and that's part of the reason I think that Colorado probably will go with a more experienced guy there. Um, you can refine the footwork. You can refine the eyes. You're talking in meeting rooms. There's so much to teach, so much to learn um, that you can really develop, guys. Uh, receivers with the route running. Um, a good receivers coach makes sure that every receiver that comes through the program has a reputation as a very good route runner. Um, I think that, that's, that there are a bunch of different ways where you can see the value of a receivers coach but getting the most out of your guys as route runners, I think, is the simplest um, because there are other things you need to do. You need to learn how to block. You need to learn how to see space, um, find that space, when to sit down in zones. There's that sort of thing, too. You do have to read the defense. But refining the, the technique, the footwork, um, can you beat press off the line of scrimmage? I think that's how you grade those guys. But then you get to the running backs um, and... A, a lot of it is natural talent. Um, you can kind of coach vision, but it's one of those things you either have it or you don't. Um, you can kind of coach balance. You can make them go through drills that make them keep their balance. Um, but just because the running backs coach seems to have less pull over the performance of their players, um, I'm going to drop Darian Hagen lower. Again, I could see him being much higher, though, just because of his value to the program. Um I didn't number these. I got to count again. But but next up is uh, Darren Cheverini. Um, I think that he keeping him around is good. If if he would have been kept as receivers coach, he would have been much higher on the list. But just because there are question marks with him as offensive coordinator, he drops down. I think that you you know that you know. Chris Wilson is going to be great at coaching his guys. You're, I'm pretty confident Brian Michalowski is going to be great at coaching his guys. Uh, Darren Cheverini, I'm confident in as being a spectacular recruiter, um, being great as a receivers coach, uh, but also we don't exactly know what he is as an offensive coordinator, and that's where he gets dinged. Um, again, there's upside there. It's, it's not Darren can't do this. It's... We just don't know, and there are other guys where it's easy to be confident in. Um, again, Darren was a co-offensive coordinator for three seasons, um, was the play caller in the last season. I do think that he's in a much better position to succeed this time around. And those, I mean, they they were successful uh, for one of the seasons he was co-offensive coordinator, um, that being like the rise season. But then also as a play caller, he struggled his first time around. That doesn't necessarily mean he can't do it now. Um, but it does mean that it's one of the questions that we have going into the season. Um, and then next up is Mitch Rodriguez, who brings you recruiting ties to the South. 
Um, but he's never had a power five job and it's kind of tough to know much about him because of that. Again, maybe he's just one of these gems that's been hidden. Um, somebody who people respect and that sort of thing in coaching circles, but he didn't want to leave, um, where he's from, but he's not just going to jump straight to the LSU job, which is the big job that he could get near home. You know, that could be what's going on, but as it stands, he doesn't quite have the resume of some of these other coaches that were brought in. Uh, and so he falls here. Uh, and there's still at least one to come. Still need a quarterback's coach. Uh, still need to name a special teams coordinator. Don't know if that's going to be an outside guy. They could bring in like a safeties coach and make uh, make Demetrius just a cornerback's coach. You know, I've, I've spent some time thinking about that, um, what exactly that would mean. Obviously, that would mean spending more money. Um, that's that's another coach's salary, whatever, $500,000, $700,000, whatever it ends up being. Um, probably less than that now that I think of it. Probably three hundred, four hundred, dollars um, And you'd probably, for that spot, bring in another young guy uh, because you know that you have Demetrius who can help with defensive backs. Um, so that'd be my pick if they do that. And... I don't know. I have I have some questions. Uh, you know, how much time does Demetrius have freed up if he's only working with the cornerbacks, for example? How much more time does he have to recruit um, since he is being brought in because he is such a talented recruiter? Could you give him more time to do that by bringing in a safeties coach, or is he still spending the same time in meetings? I would. Get, I mean, you know that there's going to be a little more free time. If, if there's half as many players you're coaching, that's half as many times that uh, you're going to have a player in your office with something to talk about. Um, or I think that's kind of the big one. But I don't necessarily think that the meetings would be any longer. Um, it'd just be that you have to cover more information in them. And maybe that takes more prep time. Um, you wouldn't spend longer on the practice field. It'd just be that your group is larger that you're working with. Maybe there's a little more film study because you have to know what's going on with everybody. Um, but I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I, I, I do think that I, I would like to see them bring in a safeties coach. Um, again, a young guy, um, do lots of drill work with the cornerbacks and safeties together, do a lot of the meetings because they do work so closely together, especially in this zone defense. Um, I think there's something to even getting the linebackers in that same room when you're talking about how this defense works. You know, if you're running cover three, you have your, you have your safety deep middle, you have a safety or probably your two cornerbacks are going to each take a deep outside third. Um, somehow you're getting two other guys covering the middle of the field, whether that's another safety, whether it's star or linebacker. Um, and you, it's, it's tough to teach a cornerback or your two cornerbacks. Here's how you're going to play these outside thirds. Um, when you don't have all the other pieces in that same room, if, if you can explain to the cornerbacks how they're playing that in front of everybody else, in front of the safety who's going to be playing in between them, then that will help him understand what to expect um, 
when it's going to be his responsibility, how the cornerbacks are likely to get beat, um, what he doesn't need to worry about. And so if you can have those guys in the same room, I think that that makes some sense. It also means that you're spending less time on each position. Um, Also, how much attention is a 19-year-old linebacker going to pay when the coach is talking about the cornerbacks? I don't know. And, And so in that same way, I do think that keeping the safeties and cornerbacks in the same room would make sense in some ways. Um, could still have two coaches in there. I don't know. Just some thoughts. Uh, it depends on how the budget is falling out. I haven't seen a lot of contract numbers. Oh, I should say that Carl Durrell's contract was approved yesterday by the Board of Regents. Um, that was expected. Uh, I think it was a 7-2 to two vote with the two no votes being the, the two that we expected to be voting no. Um we don't need to dig into that. We don't. Um, I think I've said before that for an athletics program, there's uh, it's it's kind of a bad look. You you hire a coach and then you have two people on top of him who are kind of in charge of that kind of stuff, whatever, saying no, we don't think that you should be here. It's not a good message to send. It doesn't show much support. Um, I think both of those regions, at least one of the regions, were very complimentary of Rick George and how he handled things, um, but it's just against the thought behind it. And, you know, in their defense, how weird is it that colleges have sports? Um, I really like it. I really think it should stay that way, and I think it's worth investing a lot of money in, but it is kind of a strange thing that colleges have sports teams that have turned into what they've turned into. I don't know. I'm trying to see both sides. Uh, so yeah, but the, they, they did approve that. They approved the uh, increased bonus pool for the coaches, which is great, obviously. And uh, I guess it's all official now. There's no going back. Carl, Carl Durrell is the head coach. Um, I think, where were one more before we talk about some stuff where would he rank um in terms of the rest of the hires i think i'd put him right behind chris wilson demetrius martin it's weird because you have to give him credit for bringing those guys in and so it isn't the same as it it just isn't a level playing field everybody else you can kind of in the same way like one to ten how good is this for the buffs um, but the better Chris Wilson is, the higher he should be on this list, um, the better Carl Durrell's higher is because he's the one who actually got him here. Um, but yeah, top of my head, I'd put him third. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. It's kind of a weird thought process. Um, you know, we all have been talking about TC McCartney too. I think if you bring him in, uh, he's somewhere next to Mikulowski and Embry. Um, it's tough because I do think that he probably has the most upside of those three. I think that he has the most star potential. Um, I think that because of his history, um, he means more to the program in the way that Darian Hagen does. Um, although, you know, Taylor Embry obviously has those ties as well. Um, I think that because of his history, he might have the best shot of being a a coordinator sooner and a head coach sooner if things break right for him. Um, 
So that helps. But also, again, quarterbacks need a good coach, especially when you're, you're this is going to be a first-year starter. Um, whether it's Tyler Lytle, Brendan Lewis, and I think it's probably Brendan Lewis, um, who's a true freshman. He's 18. He's going to need coaching. Um, Drew Locke, the Broncos quarterback, has nothing but good things to say about uh, about T.C. McCartney. Um, I'm all in on that bandwagon. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I am all in on that bandwagon. I would love to have him here. Um, again, Drew Locke loved him. Drew Locke was incredibly successful. What happens if he doesn't have Taylor? Well, we just don't really know. Um, but yeah, I think he's somewhere in that middle tier or not middle tier, but that young coach tier. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I bet there's probably going to be some news though in the next couple of days. That'd be my guess. Uh, before we talk about the contract that was approved, I'm going to let Ryan tell you about Blake street tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, uh, back in now to talk about Carl Durrell's contract. Uh, we knew uh, coming into this that it was a five-year deal worth $18 million. We knew that it was worth $3.2 million in the first year, uh, 2020, um, and it runs through the 2024 season, and it increases $200,000 per year, um, up to $4 million in that last season. So uh, we also knew that the assistant coach pool, the salary pool, would be up to $3.8 million. But what we didn't know is what the bonuses looked like and the more nuanced parts of the structure. And I think that that's some important stuff. Um, so let's just run through some of these bonuses because they're interesting. Um, there's the academic bonuses, of course, um, but what I really like the most is that there's a $50,000 bonus for him in 20, 2020 if the team wins six games. And there's an extra $25,000 per win after that. So he gets $50,000 if he wins six games. Would seventy five thousand dollars if he wins seven hundred thousand if he wins eight one twenty five if he wins nine. Um, so yeah, I, I like the way that's structured. And then in twenty twenty one through twenty twenty four, it it all those bonuses are moved back a step. So it takes seven games to hit that first bonus. 
and then eight to win $75,000 or earn $75,000. So I like that. He also gets $100,000 if the team is invited to a non-New Year's Day bowl game. So the way it reads is that that's on top of the $50,000. So really, if you win six games, the Buffs will go to a bowl game and he'll get 150 for that is the way it looks like it's written, which is interesting. Um, but I guess it makes sense. Um, then if, if they make it to a new year's day six bowl game, then that's $175,000 bonus on top of the other stuff, which means he's probably won what? 10 games. And if you know, that's this year, you're looking at $400,000 or something. Uh, there's a $450,000 bonus if they make it to a college football playoff. Um, that's a lot of money, but that'd be a massive accomplishment. Uh, $750,000 if they win a national championship. And then uh, inside the conference, there's the $25,000 bonus if they win the Pac-12 South. $50,000 if he wins the Pac-12 Um also, fifty thousand if he's Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Hundred thousand dollars if he's the National Coach of the Year. So that's all interesting stuff. I think it's important to keep in mind. Um, it's not all that strange. It's kind of what you expect. But I think what what's really interesting here, and what's a lot different than Mel Tucker's contract, is the buyout situation. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher for Darrell to get out of Colorado. And here's the thing. So Mel Tucker's buyout was a little bit low, but it wasn't all that low. Um, it, it really didn't seem like he was going to be able to leave anyway. Uh, he wasn't going to have those opportunities anyway, so there really wasn't much of a reason to make it higher than it was. Um, Especially because if he wins a bunch of games, enough to go to the next spot, then there will be more money to spend on the next coach. And whoever you hire won't do this stuff. It was it was low, but it. I don't think Rick George deserves all the hate that he's gotten for that. Um, but if you think that he does, then uh, you should be happy with this deal. So if Darrell decides that he wants to go somewhere else, um, before the end of 2020, so before December 31st, he would have to pay CEU $10 million. Mel had like a $3 million buyout, so that's uh, significant. Um, if if it's in the 2021 calendar year, that's $7.5 million. Uh, 2022, $5 million. 2023, $4 million. Um, the 2024 calendar year, the last year of the deal, $3 million. There's a lot of reasons that this makes sense. Uh, obviously, Rick George, it's it's good politically. It looks really good to be able to tell fans like, hey, he's going to be here. Look, we're not letting this happen again. Um, we got put in a bad situation, but now there's no way that we could possibly be put in that same situation again. Um, so there you go. Um, that's a good look right there. Also, from Carl's perspective... He really wants to be here. At least that's what he's been saying over and over again. This is his dream job. His family was going to live here anyway. He had kind of been hoping in the back of his mind that he would get the opportunity to coach here when that happened. Um, For him at his age, 58, this is probably his last job. You know, if things don't go well, knock on wood, and 
two years from now he's let go, then maybe he tries to get into coaching again somewhere else. But odds are at 60 with the money he's made, um, he'd be happy with that. Uh, that'd be my guess at least. Um, also, if he wants to stay here like he says he does and he really doesn't want to take another job, he really just wants to be in Boulder and this is kind of transitioning toward retirement, pour everything he has left into this, there's no reason for him to want a lower buyout. I don't think he would be pushing too hard for it. Um, in fact, he may even see it as a good look for the program the same way Rick George does. Um, get that fan morale back up. Obviously, yeah, it's good for Rick, but it's really good for Carl too. Um, so yeah, uh, I did want to touch on that more than anything. But uh, it's official. There's still a couple assistant coaches to come, and uh, we'll talk about them when they are announced. Uh, I'm headed up to basketball practice now, and actually there's no practice today which is kind of surprising, but I think it's just meetings um, and then talking to coach Tad Boyle afterward. Uh, If you guys have any thoughts, any questions, leave them in the comment section for today's post and we'll talk about those. I think tomorrow, The, the podcast schedule this week is a little bit confusing because of the Saturday game being the only game, but yeah, um, we'll get to those when we get to those Uh, and we appreciate all of that support. Uh, I'll talk to you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not sway, I think they like my Colorado sway. Go!
my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.